This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. Right before we get on the podcast, where we're talking to all of our general managers about how to better lead their people and shepherd their people so that we do well in the pizzerias and the company performs. That's an HR thing. We keep trying to think of us on the outside looking in or, you know, the whole awful seat at the table thing. That's crud. We should be intermingled throughout every department. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining another episode designed to help you better lead at the top of your game. Human resources functions and organizations have long been labeled as a necessary evil by some business leaders. And while, yes, they are considered overhead sometimes, you know, I'm not aware of not one thriving company who is considered an employer of choice who does not have a sound people in culture, organization, and strategy. And our guest today says that every issue in a company boils down to being a people issue. And I wholeheartedly agree. On today's show, I'm honored to have Steve Brown, who's the Chief People Officer of La Rosa's Incorporated, which is a chain of pizzerias serving neighborhoods throughout Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Steve has long been an HR industry influencer and is well known on social media via his keynotes, being a Sherm blogger, also via his books on HR strategy. So you're definitely going to need to check those out. You won't want to miss his game-changing insights on today's show. And be sure to stay tuned for about two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. I am super excited to have um, a person that I've really been a fangirl of from afar, but he is historic in the human resources and human capital community. We're so pleased to have on today's show Mr. Steve Brown, who is the Chief People Officer for uh, La Rosa's, which is a regional pizzeria chain. In the Midwest, is it, in, or in the mid part of the states? Where is it located, Steve? We're in Greater Cincinnati, primarily greater the Cincinnati. Greater Cincinnati area. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome and thank you for joining us. Oh gosh, I'm excited. We've known each <laughs> other for so long online, and to have a chance to really chat is a joy. It is. It is. And so, just a little nugget, listeners. You know, people kind of shudder when we think of social media, but used in the right way and sparingly, you can really make some very strong connections. And I have never met Steve in person, but I have followed 
his work, what he does, his advice. Um, he is always at the Sherm conferences. Uh, so he is a, a superstar within his own right, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> Very humbling, but thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, why don't we start out, Steve, for as much as you feel comfortable, can you share with our listeners a bit about maybe your educational background and how you started in the world of HR? I'm one of those rare people, Karen, that I chose HR right off the bat, not in college. In college, I started as a chemical engineer, and then that didn't work out. And then I started as a chemist because those were the jobs that made the most money at the time. (laughs) I was very good at math and science, but my grades plummeted. And my mother said, hey, why don't you get into a field where you're with people? Because that's what you've always done. And I've been in it so long. It was back when it was personnel. Uh, uh, industrial industrial relations type stuff. Uh, So when I started, but I started, gosh, oh my gosh, close to 40 years ago in HR. And uh, during that time, worked for a global uh, company, Fortune uh, 100, Fortune 10 company, actually, uh, found out I didn't fit because great company, not my cup of tea, uh, went from being a specialist as a recruiter starting out then straight into being a generalist. And I worked for a startup. And it was back when, it was funny, we called them entrepreneurs, but it was a startup. Uh, you know, if the term now is, it, it, it never existed. You're right. Our first HR person. And after that, I worked in manufacturing, uh, engineering and architecture. And I've been here at La Rosa's, which is a pizzeria, a restaurant chain, uh, for 16 years now. So this is uh, where I've been the longest and uh, what I, I still enjoy doing HR. And I moved from Philly Rex to now doing all the strategy and implementation at the highest level. Wow, that is amazing. And, you know, Steve, what um, I didn't learn, I've just learned, um, amazing, I didn't realize it before. I didn't realize how many industries uh, you have been a part of throughout mm-hmm. your professional career really managing kind of that people side of business, if you will. That's amazing. So Steve, I really love for you to share, because I I know you talk about this a lot, but in your opinion, what is HR's role in either supporting or empowering leadership, both at the company and within their own teams? Because they have to lead their own teams, right? To lead the organization. What are your thoughts around that? I think we provide support. But it's far mm-hmm. more than that. We should lead because we are the people side of the business. Yes. HR is the only area that touches every person. Only one. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be leading. Should It's funny. It's semantics. You know, right. Do I provide support? Yes. But do I help you work through and lead and perform? That's better. Yeah. So where I think the role needs to be, if it's not, is... Our role is to drive the company forward through performance through its people. That's right. So teaching people managers how to manage well. I just came out of a meeting right before we got on the podcast where we're talking to all of our general managers about how to better lead their people and shepherd their people so that we do well in the pizzerias and the company performs. That's an HR thing. Uh, We keep trying to think of us on the outside looking in uh, or, you know, the whole awful seat at the table thing. That's crud. We should be intermingled throughout every department. And, you know, Steve, for as long as I've been, I've been right for almost as many years as you have in, in the um, in the world of work. Since I started right out of college, 
you know, the human resources function always seem to have to lay the groundwork for being at the table, right? Um, we were always, I won't say always fighting, but we were always had a, a lens of showing our value and getting in at the beginning of conversations versus the end. So how do you recommend our um, HR colleagues and peers to be more of a leader when they're business people that may not be used to HR having that type of functional role or being that type of support? It's a great question. I think it's something that we've just missed. You do. In, in the pandemic, we found out that all of a sudden we were important. It was right. funny. In, You're right. In, in 2008, it was the financial people were like, oh my gosh, we're bleeding financially. Let's talk to finance. Right. And, and so now when it was a giant, real human issue, they go, yeah. hey, these HR people, don't they do HR? Don't they do people stuff? And what's funny is, in taking a look at it, I've always viewed it as every issue in a company is a people issue, and I can prove it. Yeah, I if, you're in, if you're in charge of purchasing and you help buy cheese for our pizzeria, this is how the conversation typically happens. Hey, where are we on cheese? And Karen, you go, wait a minute. Is it about cheese and purchasing or is it about Karen who does that work? So instead of focusing on the things and the work and the processes, we have to put things in order. So we came up with this formula, uh, people plus processes to equip uh-huh. equals performance. A lot mm. of companies in HR people go, oh, no, we're supposed to perform. We're supposed to hit our numbers. We're supposed to show value. What we need to learn is by working through our people and making them the best they can be, we will perform. It's not the other way around. Right. And, com- and the companies that keep doing the you know, what's the ROI and G your overhead. I just want to smack them and say, yes, I am overhead. However, by taking care of your people, I'll bet you you're going to perform better than just hitting your numbers. That's right. Because people are wonderful and messy. They're wonderful because they'll do their best job, but they're messy because they're people. So uh, my advice to our peers is quit waiting to lead. Yes. Blaze the trail instead. Be the one who steps forward. You take some shots, but I'm telling you, just waiting for it doesn't work. I tried that in the early part of my career, and I was overlooked or only brought in on problem situations. If the only reason HR is around is for a crisis, you don't need HR. Outsource it. That's absolutely right. You can have anyone come and do it. And if you don't mind me sharing, I that's how I um, I was able to accelerate in my career not waiting. I, w- I would say for the first few years when I was in the work world, I did because I was trying to soak up everything and watch from <laughs> others and learn from others. But I found I got the most recognition or credit and was most helpful when I brought new opportunities and I had thought through them. And I talked in terms of impact, I mean, real ROI, real impact of what it would be. And that's when you start getting that reputation or building that leadership brand as the person who, you know, can be on special projects or who can tackle those big meaty type of situations. And you're so right. No one has to, and leaders at all levels don't have to wait to lead. You can take the bull by the horns and maneuver within your office politics or situation, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny. We, we think that if we're, uh, intentional, that's contrary to being empathetic. 
And we're like, HR people are supposed to be nice people. Well, they are. Uh, and they should be. But here's the thing. Being intentional, everybody else is intentional. We keep playing this picture like, if they would only treat me this way, I'd be so much better. Come on. That's you, nice. you can turn it around and say, because I'm a business person, who does HR? Yes. Just like you're a business person who does ops or yes. sales or finance or IT or pick something. You can turn it around and everybody, when they're intentional, moves things forward. If you're just going to sit back and wait, that's how you're going to be treated. It's how you're going to be seen. That's right. And what would be your message, Steve, to our business leaders, those that aren't quite yet sold on having HR at the table all the time? What do you do if you when and if you ever face those who are a little skeptical? I think it's a great question. And I also don't want to be naive or utopian. Sure. This is in practice, okay? This is what I've been able to do. Very fortunate. But I have a senior leadership team who said, you know, we're a people company. We need the people person there. So let's go. But uh, during the pandemic, uh, we had a great thing where we were trying to go to do curbside pickup. So people felt safe and we could take your food to your car. Now, we've been talking about it for three years, three years, and we didn't do it. Crisis happens. Boom. Happens in a week. Amazing. Uh, it was agility, like you talk about in your leadership type things. Mm-hmm. Agility was forced upon us when we could have taken it ahead of time. That's so right. now that we face a situation, and I was talking to the CEO, I said, man, that, that curbside's awesome. He goes, oh, it saved us. I said, isn't it interesting? Why do we have to wait for a crisis to have this kind of energy? Why don't we use this kind of energy all the time to perform? And when a crisis happens, we're ready. That's right. And he says, what's this? And I said, I'm not saying what we did is wrong, but we can't keep waiting for the world to fall apart. I think HR people bring that lens. We're the ones who say, look, we're doing great. What if we did this all the time? That's right. Uh, That's right. At the meeting I mentioned, I said, we tend to be people who are problem focused. Hey, this is what's wrong. Uh, Hey, this is what's effed up. We won't say the word because on the podcast. Uh, Hey. (laughs) Hey, you know, and everything is, you know, people get value because they take what they think is wrong and fix it. Look what right. I did. But what have you said? In order to perform, we have to address the following problems. Flipping it around. Then people go, well, I want to perform. I want to do well. Here's the problem. If you have a performance lens through your people instead of a problem lens against or in spite of your people, it's two different dynamics. I don't know anybody at any level in any industry that can't put that sort of framework into their leadership. You're so right. Because it's, I mean, it's not rocket science, but it's being intentional about doing so, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to do that. And you're right. It can be in every organization or company or department. It can be infused in there. You know, and you bring up a great point, um, especially with you uh, being a chief people officer of a company that's in the... Um, restaurant and hospitality industry, if there was anyone who had to pivot, it's been you all in those umbrella industries, you know, meaning you had to pivot during the pandemic. How was there a time where it was clear on who in the organization who were going to be the better people leaders versus others? During that pandemic, I know you were struggling to probably keep staff and deciding who to keep and who to let go if you'd let go of anyone. But 
how did the pandemic really push and stretch your people leaders? I guess that's the question I want to ask. It's a great question. There's a couple things. One, we had to own that we're emotional beings. So people were freaking out, upset, angry, didn't know what was going on. The new regulation came out at two and the new one's at four. So you're like, what's going on? It was it was a kind of pace because the world was facing uncertainty. We'd never seen anything like this before. We're the first generation that hasn't had a global issue happen. The last generation that had this happen was in the 1940s when there was a world war. There's big things that happen all the time now, but this was the first one that hit us all. So the first thing we said, hey, it's okay to be emotional because we got it. Quit hiding it. It's coming out anyway. The second thing is it forced collaboration. So instead of collaboration being a word on the wall, it had to happen in between each other. So if Karen and Steve were prickly, we had to work it out. And we hadn't done that before. So we valued the people relationships because they made us come together. Uh, Our pizzerias were considered, quote, essential. Because what's funny is people need to eat and we fed you. So we were essential. But our team members never went home, ever. What do you mean they didn't go home? We, We worked in the pizzerias while people were at their houses. You know, when people quarantine and and we never closed ever. So our team members, 16 year olds to, you know, people well in their 70s were the great, wonderful people on the front line who have always been there, who served well. And so from a people manager side, we said, look, our team members are sacrificing on a personal level to take care of others. How can we come alongside to enable them to do their job, to give them flexibility, to, uh, be there to cry when we need to cry and yell when we need to yell. And uh, what it brought us together as an organization far more than, oh my gosh, here's the problems. Because what's been great about our company is we say, this is what we're facing. How do we address it? That's right. So we paused, we breathed, and we said, okay, now that, and then you just took the pace. So uh, we never laid a person off. Uh, oh, that is fantastic, uh, Steve. You know, we have a, we're much different. We're kind of like this little magical nugget that no one knows about. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, I want to blast it from the, the, the hilltops. <laughs> that is fantastic. I'm so impressed. <laughs> oh, and I, I'm sure your employees really appreciated that, too, because although they were on the front lines, they hopefully felt that you all were doing as much as you could to keep them safe, to keep them employed, to keep Mm -hmm. them stable. And we also did things like uh, we did team member relief. So Mm -hmm. we um, bought gift cards on a regular basis and gave them gift cards so that they could buy food. So it was, uh, here's a Kroger gift card. It wasn't, here's a gift card to something that they couldn't do. We tried to provide people's basic needs because they were taking care of the needs of others. We believe very much in model model the behavior you expect in others. Uh, so, Absolutely. so you can't just have these lofty aspirational programs. It has to really touch people, and uh, we've been very fortunate. We have wonderful, wonderful team members. That's fantastic. So, you know, Steve, you're a, a leader within yourself. Um, you're part of that C suite, and then not only coach and advise the other leaders, but you're right there trying to always stay on top of your game as well, I'm sure. And so I'm curious, are there any things that you do to stay on top of your game, mind, body, and soul, or knowledge-wise? What do you do? do? 
to help continue to grow as a leader? There's some professional things and some personal things, and they kind of blur. Uh, Don't they always? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm crazy intentional about calling and talking to my peers. So doing this kind of thing, not be on a podcast. If you're connected with me, it's on. So I'm going to check on you. I'm going to see how you're doing because that fills my bucket because as HR people, we don't have that ability to do that internally most often. You have to have a place where you can dump your bucket. You have to have a place where you can go, I'm going to scream. And what can I do? You don't want to take that home. You want to work that with your peers. So I really, I almost every commute on the way home. In fact, a young lady from a conference I spoke at in Texas reached out. I don't know her. She said, hey, can I talk to you tonight? You just seem like somebody I could talk to. Um, I have a situation at work and I really need to talk to a peer. I'm I'm just, that's heaven right there. Uh, And the other thing is uh, I'm part of the Sherman Executive Network and I have a cohort of fellow uh, C-suite people. Uh, What's funny is if you put us in a room, not one of, not one would go, gosh, these guys are executives. They'd be like, who are these guys? Uh, But uh, my group is tight. I mean, the cohort we have, it's a fun name, cohort. Uh, We are friends and peers. And what's interesting is uh, the way we've approached it as a group is we're not doing this lofty, I'm a C. It's I'm a person who happens to have a senior role. It's a much healthier perspective. I don't deal well with people who throw a title at me because, you know, we can call you anything you want, but what are you doing for for yourself and your people? And the other thing is I read a lot. I write constantly and uh, music. I have music all the time, man. Uh, I had to turn it off before you, you got on uh, because I just, I need that constant stimulation of music flowing around. Uh, and you know, I, I learned to, that about you online. I oh, think man. it was, I'm drawing a blank, but one of the ones that have a podcast, they always tease you every now and then about music you're listening to. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's fun. I, I like to th- find things that tie us together because I think there's more that ties us together versus pulling us apart. I love that everybody's diverse and different and unique. We all are. Yeah. But but there's things that tie us together. So if you're into certain kind of music and I'm not, well, we can talk about that. Uh, uh, but I like to talk to people who are passionate and, um, and, and you can have a big motor and drive. That's wonderful. Well, I don't know if our audience listeners know this, but you have, um, you've written a book before, but you've released a new book, correct? Or it's coming. Well, I had uh, one in 2017, one in 2020. Great time to release a book. Right. Hey, hey. Uh, uh, And I'm writing, I'm writing my third one right now. So uh, I want to, I just, I told friends, this is terrible. I want to be the J.R.R. Tolkien because I'm a nerd. Of HR, I want to have a trilogy so that people uh, can learn. But um, will you share the books that you've written thus far? And sure. if you have a title, we'd love to hear the new one, or maybe you want to keep I, that for oh, a no. surprise. I know. I'll <laughs> tell you. The first one is uh, HR on purpose, and the whole point was I'm tired of us apologizing for who we are and what we do. Yeah, uh, we're the only profession who does. And we yeah. got to stop it. We can't. We can't be seen as credible if we keep saying, oh, I'm so, sorry, I'm in HR. Sorry, I'm taking care of your people." That's got to stop. Uh, the second one is called HR Rising, and to, to your topic, Karen, uh, it's about uh, being strategic, intentionally strategic, and being a leader in what we do, regardless of your role. You don't have to have a C in front of your name to be a leader. Uh, there are many people who are departments of one who are great HR leaders. 
So it was more uh, encouragement on how to lead as mm-hmm. an HR person. Yeah. And the third one is called HR Unleashed. And nice. the whole the whole point is uh, the pandemic let us free. So now yeah. we got to run. So now that we're free, let's go. And, and quit going back to the old patterns of what HR had been yeah. and push it forward so that we can succeed and organizations can as well. You're so right because companies aren't waiting on us. We've got to keep up with what's going on in the industries and markets. Uh, and we, we can't, we have to remain agile. Um, they're not going to wait on us to go, you know. I was um, speaking uh, at an event at the Gallup headquarters in D.C. and was speaking on some of those future trends that are going on in the world of work. And that was really the theme. It's like we're moving light years faster than the industry was even five years ago. So those who don't keep up and stay ahead are going to get left behind, unfortunately. Very true. And that's my, my opinion anyway. That's no, I think I think you're spot on. Who do you? <laughs> Steve, uh, I'd love to share one last little thing. We, we have a segment at the end we call uh, Full Disclosure, but I promise you there's no gotcha questions. In it. It's just <laughs> a bring a, a spin to it. But uh, I was curious about what, is your kryptonite? What feels like quicksand to you? What kind of work? Like when? What happens in your daily work that you're like, oh my gosh, I got to set aside mental time for this? Uh, when people aren't upfront, when mm. people are disingenuine, it kills me because mm-hmm. I, I don't see the value in it, yeah. and I don't see how it helps us. I don't need to play games. I don't have time for it. Other people don't have time for it, and. If people just skirt around things, I'd rather have the more direct conversation with grace mm-hmm. and respect. But to just imply things, hey, I sort of kind of dot, dot, dot. I'm like, oh, come on. Uh, it's harder because, again, we think we're going to go too far or someone's going to push someone's button or someone's going to say something they shouldn't. I, yeah. I don't take that. Uh, I will be open and upfront with you the minute you meet me. So Same here. I, I don't like it when people, I, I respect people want to kind of feel you out. Yeah. But after a while. It gets old. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and in your experience, Steve, what is one of the most common missteps of leaders? Things that they do that could easily be probably avoided. But what are one of the most common pitfalls or success inhibitors? I think people don't read the room. Mm, I think good I, one. I think people are so focused on their good work, their good efforts, their good contributions that they don't even say, "Hey, I'm just going to launch this on you." And it feels like this giant avalanche. And Karen saying, "Hey, can I can I ask something about that?" And you're like, "You know, no, it's fantastic." And here it comes, yeah. and it's like a freight train that runs through things. Um, one of the things we've done recently is when we've had meetings, we've changed our whole meeting approach. When we've had meetings, we're saying, who's the audience of the meeting? And that's how we're going to set it up. Not what's the agenda, not so, not what, what's the agenda of the meeting. So if we gather this group of people, like our general managers we did today, what are we going to do that adds value to them? Instead of, let's talk about all our good work. Right. It doesn't say anything to who they are, what they do, and how they contribute. Too many meetings are about stuff instead of people. 
So knowing your audience and framing it that way, it's re it's revitalized how we do meetings. They've yeah. been more effective. And we've even walked away from, from stuff that used to be, oh, let's have a meeting. We're like, <coughs> that's an email. No, no, no. <laughs> Not doing that. Uh, yeah. But leaders who don't read the room and consider the others and how things are affected, uh, yeah. I find to be very self-centered. And self-centered people don't do well as leaders. No, they don't. You're so right. Oh, my gosh. That's a great nugget. All right. One last thing for us, Steve. What is one of your dream spots to go on vacation? Oh, gosh. It, my wife and I love England. Uh, I, if I could, I would live there. Would uh, you? Oh, in a heartbeat. One, I have quite a few friends there. I, I do, too. Uh, I'm uh-huh. a very tall person. And to be a giant person in England would just be fun uh, because <laughs> they're not all that very tall. Uh, but I just love the whole history, the vibe, the the community uh, yeah. as a, as a society, all of the UK is far more, Hey, let's go hang out. It uh, is, you know, it's in America, you can find pockets of that, but there's more, Hey, let's have dinner at my house on this one day. Right. In, in the UK, it's be, it'll be, I'll meet you at the pub at eight. And, and we then, go from there. And you just show up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is so right. <laughs> I have a ton of friends over there and used to go there almost, you know, multiple times a year um, traveling with, you know, with business. So, yeah, it's one of my favorite spots as well. So I totally get it. (laughs) Wow, Steve, I literally blinked and time has flown by. But thank you so much for the gift of your time and uh, advice on this podcast. It's been a thrill. Well, I've, it's been too long. I'm so glad. I really mean that. And uh, I wish people would understand that once I get to know you, it matters to me. So to be able to see you and talk to you and hear you, it's huge. Oh, it's huge for me. Doubly huge. <laughs> and listeners, thank you so much for the gift of your time for joining the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. We can't wait to um, have you listen in on our next episode please be sure to share the podcast with a friend or two. We could use the extra listeners and hopefully we'll be able to give them a nugget or two to help them lead at the top of their game. Well, without further ado, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Steve Brown, Chief People Officer of La Rosa's Incorporated. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of people-first leadership. So I wanted to share just a few tips on how to build a people-first culture. And I want to give credit to the website workhuman.com. They have a fantastic article on it. But I wanted to share just a few of those tips that they also share. The first tip involves establish an organization-wide alignment in your business processes. This means prioritizing aligning the work of the business with each employee's work to ensure that they're fulfilling both the mission statement and ultimately the company's business goals. The second tip is develop an employee feedback opportunity mechanism. A people-first approach includes a deep focus on the employee experience and well-being. 
And that starts with having a firm grasp on what the employee experience really is. And to do this, you must have a feedback mechanism in place to gather that data, analyze it, and make course corrections where needed. The third tip involves giving leaders strategies for establishing trust and empathy. This will empower employees to be better leaders and give your leaders the tools that they need to better support their teams. And then the final tip today is around prioritizing, recognizing your people's contributions. Recognition is the cornerstone of ensuring employees feel seen and valued by their organization. So putting it together and implementing a employee recognition plan is definitely going to be key. Now, if you're listening to this show, know that our podcast is not free. No, it's not behind a paywall, but we do have a gentleman's and gentlewoman's agreement. So the price for admission is that you just honor a pack amongst us friends to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice and also share our podcast with one friend. I think that's a really good deal for a price, not a penny out of your pocket. So thank you so much for considering and honoring our pact. And thanks again for listening and see you all next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.